You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. I believe that with this next series, there is potential for life change. No matter what area of life you're in, the topic is going to be family. And when it comes to family, we better get this right. The topic is called Family Matters. Say that with me. Family. One more time. Family Matters. And I know what some of you are thinking. You hear that and you're saying, oh yeah, Family Matters. Like there's issues in families, raising kids, single issues, if you're single, extended family issues, marriage matters, marriage issues, and I would say to you that you are exactly right. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. And our goal is to reset and to realign in that area. There may be some others that are saying, wait, family matters. I know. Family matters. It's important. God cares, and we should care. And I would say, you're right too, because those are the two angles that we're going to come this next several weeks, and we're going to bring these messages, and we're praying that God will minister all, uh, all fall and headed into the holidays with this message of family matters. And I was thinking about it with, when it comes to families. Within the family context, I don't know about you, but my experience is that the greatest joys in life some of the most meaningful things that have ever happened to me have been in relation to my family. How many, is that your story too? You think about it? On the flip side though, the, some of the greatest sorrows, some, some of the most difficult areas as well have revolved around family. Isn't that the truth? We get the highs and the lows and I was thinking, even family, it means something different to everybody here. But you have to understand that family means something to everybody. There's something that comes to mind, no matter what your situation might be. And regardless of what lens you look through, the way you see family, you have to know this. This is foundational for today and for the entire series, that family was God's idea. From the very beginning of time, God's desire is for you and for me to be a member of a vibrant, growing, healthy family, period. And even though we are in a crazy, mixed-up world, which we could talk about that and lots of ideas there, we can be a part of an extraordinary family. And I want to pause here for a second and kind of make the connect with what we've been talking about in our connect groups if our goal as individuals and within our family is to be fully devoted Christ followers. We talk about it, we call you know, we want to grow to be in the place of total surrender. And in our small groups, we've been talking about this. Go ahead and put up that, that diagram. It's our spiritual growth uh, plan. And we want to be able to come to the point where we reach one more. How many are with me? We're in that, what that means is we reach back for a believer that needs to grow up into a place of surrender, but we're also reaching forward to a new believer, someone that, that hasn't found Christ yet, and so it's a reaching forward, reaching back. 
If that's the goal for us as individuals, then how many would say that you cannot, we cannot afford to take our cues from the world any longer? We can acknowledge that the pull of the world is intense. It's relentless. It's strong. And it's subtle and can be sneaky. We live in the world, church, but we are called to be set apart, to be different, to be more like Christ, and that relates to our families as well. The truth is, when it comes to family, there is and always has been an attack from the enemy. He hates the idea of family. And today, I would say in our culture, more than ever, there's unprecedented worldliness. Everywhere we turn, it's worldly. And what's crazy is sometimes we even take this idea of family and we bring it to the point where it becomes an idol, where it becomes even more important than God. On the other side, with TV and internet and magazines and movies and all different things, we see all these examples that might seem cute or funny. Issues like an absent dad in a family or a, lo- or a broken up marriage or a sibling wars or even transgender issues finding out. Even. And what's crazy is you may see that on a show and, and just kind of chuckle and laugh, but when it happens in your family, you become desensitized until it hits your kids' home. And I'll tell you, then the devastation sets in. Church, we cannot take our cues from the world, from our culture. Our cues, our instruction, our standard must be rooted in the Word of God, period. So, with family matters, issues, we must be rooted in the Word. And with the truth that family does matter, especially to God, we must be rooted in the Word. I was thinking about it. It really doesn't matter what I think so much. And by the way, I am no expert when it comes to talking about family. But it only matters what the Word of God says in regards to family. And that we know that family matters to God, and we're going to see that this morning. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. A friend of mine, we were talking about this series, and he said, where are you going to go? Where are you going to start? He says, man, you've got to take them back to the, the beginning. And that's what I want to do this morning. Genesis chapter 1, I want you to turn in your Bibles. And uh, once you're there, uh, if you're there, just say, I'm there. If you're not, say, hold on. All right, we're holding on just for you, Jim. No, just, just kidding, just kidding. All right. Family was God's idea. That's the key that we want to bring today. Let's look at it. And from the very beginning, we're going to see that. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says this. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It all starts right here in Scripture. Family was God's idea. You say, well, how did he do it? Uh, let's look at it. Chapter 2, verse 7 says, Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, 
and the man became a living being. We were created from absolutely nothing, right from the dust, and we were put together, kind of formed, and we didn't actually live until there was breath breathed into us. Isn't that a neat picture? We move on, chapter 2, verse 15, says that we were put in the charge of things in the garden. Look at it. The Lord took the man. He put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. How many know we were created to work, all of us, to do the work that God puts in front of us to do? And so no matter what work that looks like, it's an important piece. Verse 18, we see the Lord said to him, Look, it is not good for the man to be alone. And all the married <laughs> husbands uh, in the room say amen to that, right? It's not good to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for them. At the end of verse 20, it says there was no suitable helper found. And so what happens is in verse 21, the family was created. Look at it. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. <laughs> And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed it up and placed, uh, and placed it with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman right from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. He, the man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called Whoa, man, because when he saw her, he said, whoa, man. I'm not sure that's what it says in the Hebrew, but that's what I think. For she was taken out of the man. Verse 24, that is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh, a family, a home. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Family was God's idea. If you know what happens next in chapter 3, the fall of mankind happens. And I was thinking about it this morning as I was praying over these verses and interceding, just kind of reviewing. I, I, something came to me and I was thinking, man, even after the fall of mankind, God still thought that family was a good idea. And in chapter 4, we see procreation. Cain and Abel are on the scene, and then the rest is history. It was God's idea. We were created for communion with God. And in the image of God, we were different from all the other animals in the sea and in the air and on the ground. And because of that, I believe we are called to keep God at the center of everything. Don't forget, family was God's idea. And when we think about building a family, I was thinking about what is the key to do it right. And we we're going to find it in Scripture, of course. There's a Scripture that has screamed out to me uh, over the last few weeks. I've been praying for this uh, series to, uh, to kind of roll out. And it's Psalm 127, verse 1. It's just the very beginning of this. And uh, in fact, I want you to highlight this. I want you to circle it, underline it. And in my Bible, I, can't, I know you can't read it, but I put family matters right, in the, right on my verses, right above with Psalm 127. But let's look at it. It says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. 
I'm going to read it one more time. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Let's pray. Lord, I pray over these next few moments and over these next few weeks, God, that you would capture our heart, that this verse would, would go from our head to our heart. We'd be able to live this out better than ever. God, we give you the praise and glory for it. I just pray for strength across the board in our families. No matter what our families look like, whether we're single or whether we're, um, we're married, whether we're divorced or widowed, God, you know right where we are. And I pray that this idea that you building the house will ring true. And God, we give you the praise, we give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When you read this and it says, unless the Lord builds the house, that word house there, how many know, is not talking about brick and mortar. He's talking about building a home, building a family. You could say, unless the Lord builds the family, the builders will labor in vain. The idea, when you look at that word, it's flesh and blood. When you look at it from commentary, it says that it's those who you are caring for. Unless the Lord builds those who are you are caring for, so if you're married and have a spouse, certainly it would include your husband or wife. If you've got siblings within your house, like within your, within your life, it certainly addresses that. For parents, even foster care parents, you're saying, those in my care. For those of you that are raising grandkids, it would reply or it responds to you, this verse does, or even your neighbors or coworkers, unless the Lord builds those relationships, those situations in your house, your home, your family, the builders build in vain. The builders labor in vain. That word vain, I had to look it up and, uh, because I, the only thing that came to mind was the song uh, back, way back, the, the, you're so vain. <laughs> you probably think this song is about you. You're so vain. And I'm like, what is it? It means, in the context, it's a waste of time. It's useless. It's worthless. It's futile. It's D-U-M-B, dumb, unless the Lord is at the center. You could be the best spouse there ever was, taking your spouse on lots of trips and giving lots of gifts, being the great provider, beautiful home, good cars, fill in the blank. Unless the Lord is at the center, it's all vanity. You could be the best sibling, spending time, being available, sharing stuff. Now there's a novel idea for siblings, <laughs> right? You could help with homework or friends. Unless the Lord is at the center of that, it's all in vain. You could be the best parent. How many want to be a good parent? I know I do. You could be making all the lunches, driving to soccer, then to church, then to school, then to band, then to friends, then to lessons, then to more sports. You could fund it all. How many of you have ever been there? You feel like a taxi driver. You could be the best parent there ever was, but if the Lord's not at the center, it's all vanity. You could be the best kids there ever was, talented beyond belief, excelling in some area or even multiple areas. You could be popular. You could be the fun, the, the life of the party, but without 
the Lord at the center, it's all in vain. It's all vanity. And the truth is, this is a real problem. Many families do not have the Lord as the foundation. And I'm sad to say, and I believe this is true, that even families within the church struggle with keeping God number one. The Lord becomes an afterthought. Or in some cases, it becomes even entirely missed. So we value in this culture being self-sufficient, that we are hard-working people in West Michigan, aren't we? We can solve our own problems instead of going to prayer or going to the Word. We will work ourselves into a frenzy instead of going to the Word and saying, God, what is the answer? You know, I was thinking about it. What would it look like if something was in the center of your world? I was thinking back to when I first met Jessica, my wife, and she was here both services, and boy, she's a blessing. Uh, I appreciate her so much. But when I first met Jessica, I'm telling you, she became, in many ways, the center of my world. And the way I knew that is because I was constantly talking about her. I used to write her letters because she was in college and I was still in high school. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we've got boxes of letters that we'd write back and forth. And I'm telling you, I did that because I loved her. And I thought, man, this girl's something else. And I but if you were to bump into me and I never said anything about Jessica, never was mentioning her. How many know she wouldn't have been at the center, right? But she was. How would you know if the Lord was the center of your family? The way you would know is because he would be mentioned in conversation. Come on. There would be time spent honoring him individually and corporately. There would be a priority to serve. You look at your checkbook and you can tell if the Lord is the center of your family. Are you faithful in your tithes? And in your offerings, there would be a a measure of prayer. There would be a measure of God's word. Decisions that are made within the family would be godly according to Scripture. Your finances, your friends, the list could go on and on. All those things should be infiltrated with the word of God. What is, and the question that came to me is, what is being modeled in our families here at the Gateway Church? Is there a trust for God? Are we honoring God with everything? And it got me thinking, what was modeled for me growing up? What about my family? What was there that I could look back? How did I see God at the center of my family? And I was thinking back. And we were the family that was constantly serving. We weren't in in ministry officially as profession, but we were the family that was always there when the doors were open. We were not perfect in any, man, any, uh, any way, but we were the family that would pray together. Worship music was on in our house a whole lot. In fact, I heard a lot of praying and praying in the Spirit, speaking in tongues in my family and even in my grandparents, and that's just the way it was. I knew that my dad did devotions. He got up early and drove 50 miles to work and started at 6. And so he's up at 4, 4.30 in the morning. And my dad's Bible, though, was left open where he had been reading God's Word. 
And many times he would write notes with scripture and leave them for me and my sisters or for my mom. It was a priority. And I'll tell you what, my parents, living in under their home, and they're here today, sitting right up front, and I'm going to introduce them in a second. Giving was a priority. They said, if you're living under this house, we're going to honor God. And so I started a business when I was 13. Some of you know the story. And, I, and my mom helped me spread it and do a spreadsheet and, and all my expenses, all my income, and a column on that was when my tithe was paid, I could check it off. I've got that still. What a treasure. Thank you, Mom. And I was thinking, man, there's so many things that were flooding my mind. How could I see God at the center? And then I thought, well, my mom and dad are going to be in town. They're from out of state, out of, from Florida. I said, well, maybe we could just ask them for some things that kind of came to mind. How many would think that's a good idea? Would, would anyone like to hear what my mom and dad have to say? Well, what do you think, mom and dad? <laughs> no, they're, they're planning on it. Come on, get up here. I want you to introduce you to my parents, Dan and Judy. They, Bruce, we need that microphone. <laughs> so I was thinking about it, and I appreciate it. You guys are in for a treat. My parents are just so much fun. So I was thinking there are things that just kept on coming to my mind, and I thought instead of me kind of talking about these things, wouldn't it be even better to hear it right from the source? And so I asked, first of all, I was thinking, Mom, about our morning ritual. Dad was off, and he's down in Brownstown, and uh, and every morning I remember you praying over us. It was a prayer, and I remember this little phrase, a hedge of protection around us. It was kind of ritualistic. It kind of wrote in some ways, but why was that so important to you and to our family, that morning prayer? Okay, um, prayer, not only the morning prayer, but prayer was, is a huge in our lives um, and let me just tell you real quickly in the first service what God spoke to my heart specifically and just said Judy I'm going to show you with your eyes today the answers to prayer in your life and he opened my eyes during worship and I looked at my grandson that's my Logan I looked at Reagan leading worship at this end that's my Reagan. No one loves to worship more than Reagan. That's true. This microphone, that's my grand, or my, excuse me, my daughter-in-law, who we prayed for for so many years, yep. not knowing who would be for Ben to keep him in line. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> that's the truth. And then this is my big, gentle giant right here. You got that right. He's my boy. You know, I remember... The day he came to me, Ben, and when you told me you were called to mm. ministry. Yep. He's my boy. I'm his mom. Can you imagine my heart? Dad and I, prayer began all the more. God, what yeah. do you have in store for him? What a joy for us yep. to see what God's done in your life. Yeah, thanks. But it began, <coughs> we knew as soon as our children were young and starting to school, that there was a battle going on in our home for the lives of our home. Yeah. For these three precious young kids who were mm-hmm. leaving 
us getting out from under our protection, but then the protection of the Lord. And so every single morning, Dan would be gone to work really early, but every single morning with our arms around each other in that, charge the angels in the precious blood of Jesus Jesus. to watch over them, to keep them safe, to keep them healthy. healthy. Mm -hmm. That the angels in the precious blood of Jesus would go before them, beside them, behind them, above them. And now living in Florida where we have potholes, I added down down below (laughs) them just to surround them. But then I could peacefully send the children off into a world. Love it. Awesome. It's perfect. And so it was an important piece, and it's something that we did all the time, that morning prayer. Dad, I was thinking about you you kind of raising us. Um, I've got two sisters, one older, one younger, and I'm right in the middle. But my dad would always stand for God's word and doing what was right. And there's a, a story I want him to share where we were out at the lake uh, we were pulling in with the boat, and my dad stumbled across a wad of cash as big as my fist. And uh, he's going to tell you the story and the decisions we made and the why behind it. Yeah, well, so we got there. We launched the boat. I go and park the trailer. I'm running back to the boat on the dock. And as I'm running back, I see this big old wad of money. I'm like, what in the world? So I just scooped it up. I'm looking around to see if there's anybody looking for this or something. I thought, what could this be from? Was it a drug deal gone bad or was it? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, and yep. I didn't know how much it was. All I knew is it was big. It was a big, yep. big watch. So I stuck it in my bathing suit pocket and went back to the boat and I said, family, we're not doing the normal today. Normally we go out for a couple hours while, while there's uh, hardly anybody on the lake and we enjoy the lake to ourselves. And then when it starts getting really busy, then we come back in and we and we uh, beach the boat, and we have a, a picnic lunch and, or dinner in that. And I said, today we're going to have dinner first. I said, we're going to kind of just keep our eyes open, watch, because somebody has got to be coming back wondering what in the world happened to that money. I'm sure of it, right. you know. So we mm-hmm. did, and we just sat down. We had our dinner first instead, and we're relaxing, and then all of a sudden this boat pulls into the dock, and sure enough, these guys jump out, and they're just wandering all over the all over the property looking for looking for something that I could see was not happy he was like (laughs) swearing and cussing and fuming and everything I'm like this is the guy I'm sure (laughs) of it you know (laughs) I said what what's going on guys did you did you lose something and he's like oh man he says I just had cashed my paycheck and I just I stuffed it in my sock and I was running back from from parking the trailer and it just slipped out of my sock and so I didn't realize it till I was on the boat and we were skiing and that, and all of a sudden I thought, oh no, where's my money, you know? And I said, well, how much was it? And he says, I don't even know. <laughs> well, I don't know, the guy's not real bright to begin with, you know? <laughs> and so I said, well, was it about $285 or whatever? And he's like, did you find my money? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's why we're sitting here picnicking, picnicking right now. I said, I knew somebody would come back ah. looking for it. And he's like, oh, he says, I can't believe it. He says, thank you, thank you, thank you, you know? Yes. But you know we couldn't we couldn't keep that money. You know it wasn't our, it wasn't ours. We could have, yeah, we could have, but it would have been wrong, and we would have right. been. I would have never felt good about it. But Absolutely. you know, God, I was glad that He brought the man back, the young man back, and 
and uh, awesome. that's just the way it should. That's the way it should be. Absolutely, Dad. I appreciate you sharing that. When I thought of, when I was just thinking about ideas or, or examples. That one has stuck out, stood out to me for all these years. You do what's right. The other thing I wanted to ask, just two more questions, and and then we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Mom, I want you to talk about uh, family meetings. I remember a lot of family meetings growing up. Why were family meetings so important, and why did it help us keep God at the center? Mm. Wow. Uh, family meetings still are important in our life. Mm-hmm. We still have our children come, and our girls who live in Florida also. Um, Mom, we just had our family meeting. We just had mm, another right. family meeting. Yep. Sometimes it would last long. Sometimes they would be very short. But there's always family business to do at the family meeting because I hate tension. I hate feeling strife. I hate feeling unloving thoughts, especially towards those who you love the most. Mm -hmm. We hurt, like you said earlier, those seems like who we love the most. This family where we're supposed to be working together as a team And when you feel we're not working together as a team and that you've got to gather together, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's what we'd say, we're gathering together so that we can let your turn, it's your turn to talk now. Mm -hmm. It's your turn. What's going on? What's going on? Open up the communication between us. What's going on? Tears would run. Because it's such a wonderful feeling when you know not only God forgives you when you do wrong, but it's such a wonderful feeling to know the person next to you. You can hug them once again. Mm -hmm. And you can say, I'm so sorry for my part in this this whole thing. Let's go on from here. I I so desire our home to ring with laughter with just the joy of the Lord. And you know when it doesn't. And so that's why those family meetings were so important. You come in with feeling rejected, you leave feeling the love. Yep. Yeah. We all would learn more about scripture during that time because the Lord would speak to us in scripture of exactly what he wanted for our family. And let's open up communication. But he just did wonderful things. So thank God for family meetings. You got it. And you know, you're hearing this and you're thinking, oh, that sounds so great. I hated family meetings most of the time, most of the time, because they often ended with me and my sisters hugging each other, and we couldn't let go until we'd giggle, and uh, I just, just uh, someone walked out of service, they said, oh yeah, we do that with our kids, nose to nose, until they're, they get it figured out, I'm like, oh, all right, and, uh, uh, but those family meetings are so important. Dad, I want you to talk about forgiveness. My dad, uh, has modeled something in regards to forgiveness in my life uh, ever since I was a little kid. Uh, He is quick to forgive, or if he's made a mistake, he will go and try to make things right very quickly. And uh, there's a story that came to my mind, and I've asked him to share it, and I'll tell you, it's not the most flattering story for my dad. I get that, Um, but I felt like, hey, this is important to be transparent and to to do this, and, uh, and so let me set it up this way. Um, I was I shared with someone about what we were going to do, and um, and they said, "Oh, really?" And um, and so it's the only time I've ever heard my dad use a cuss word. And this guy I was telling, he said, "Man, 
I remember my parents' favorite cuss words. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, I get it. All right. And so anyway, but, uh, but Dad, tell the story of when we were on vacation and I got kicked off from go-karting because I'm, you know, it was my fault. But uh, you came to my defense and uh, tell, tell that story and how that all came out. All right. Well, yeah, we had gone there. We were in Sarnia, Canada, and we are having a blast. We are enjoying ourselves. And so we went to this kind of like a Craig's Cruisers where they have all these different things you can do, you know, the batting cages and the putt-putt golf and the go-karts. And so we bought the whole big package, you know. We're, okay, we're all going to do everything, you know. And so we start off doing the go-karts because that's always so much fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Ben got a little behind Corey, and so he's trying his best to work his way around her and to, to be the winner and all that. And so they bumped wheels a couple times, and the guy's like, uh, you, you know, get off the course and all that, you know. And I thought, well, that was a little harsh. I mean, you know, it's not like they damaged the go-kart. You know, let them have a little fun, you know, come on. Right. <laughs> but anyway, so. Let me pause. The guy was really rude, okay? <laughs> he was rude to me. He's like, you listen to that, listen to that, you know, get off here. And I mean, he was, it was bad. All right, okay. You're, yeah. So, you know, in his defense, I thought, you know what? This isn't going to be a fun day here, not if this guy's going to have this kind of attitude. So. We'll just pay, I'll just p be happy to pay for the go-karts and that, and then just give me my money back for every, all the other things that we, that I paid for, and we'll be out of your hair, you know? And the guy's like, oh, no, we, you can't, you paid for it. You can't just walk away, you know? I'm like, no, I'm not going to walk away. You're going to give me my money back for all the things that we didn't do because we're leaving. We're not going to ha hang out in a place that isn't fun, you know? This, you made it not fun, <laughs> yeah. you know? And the guy's no, I can't. I said, look. Either you give me the money back. Okay, okay, Dad, okay, we get that one. <laughs> Beep! <laughs> so, anyway. The only time I've ever heard my dad swear. But the hard part was then, Jamie, my youngest daughter, she breaks into tears and she's hysterical. She's like, I can't believe my dad just said this way. You know? And, I, and I'm like, oh, Lord. And mom is crying. And mom's upset. And my other sister is like, what in the world? And I'm like, that's my dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for an hour and a that's half the then later in the van, all, all I'm doing is just saying, guys, I'm so sorry. I know I was wrong. I know that I should never have gotten that angry. <laughs> Please forgive me. You know, but at least I, was, I had the heart of David. You know, <laughs> I knew I was wrong. I knew I did bad. And I ask for my family's forgiveness right away. And that's absolutely, that's absolutely. And I appreciate that. And there's so many other stories we could tell. We don't have time, but how many are grateful for my parents this morning for sharing? I, thank you guys so much. I love it. So these family meetings is really where I want to kind of land uh, for this morning, because it was a time where we could realign, we could refocus, we could kind of recommit. Uh, or recenter ourselves. Like I said, uh, we would have to hold hands or hug each other until we giggle, those types of things. The point was that we were not going to ignore the problem. We were going to keep God at the center of our family. Church, there will always be family matters, family issues. And because family matters... It's important. Psalm 127, verse 1, should ring true. The foundation of our families, it must be on Christ. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. 
What does success look like in our families? This is fun. It's certainly not perfection. There's no one here perfect. Instead, I think it takes a little humility and transparency. There's no magic elixir that we can buy or read about or put into place and poof, the family's all set. It's a lot of hard work. And my goal, my plan, my prayer for this series over the next several weeks is that we would grow to become better in our, whatever our family situations look like. Whether you're a parent or you're a single adult or you have a married partner or you don't, how will you apply this to your life? And I want us to think beyond just a day or a week or a month I want to think about long-term. My mom mentioned the prayers that she had prayed for Jessica. As soon as we were born, she was praying for our future mates. We do the same for our kids, and I know many of you do as well. It's that long-term type thinking. This is how my family will be different after the knowledge has been given that we need to pray. And the challenge is for each of us and our families is to live a God-centered life life, ultimately so we can be an example to reach one more. And I want to bring that full circle. And I just can imagine there's some here, they're saying, man, you know, I'd love to have been in your family growing up. And listen, it, we cannot compare. There was no perfect family. My family was not perfect. You cannot compare. That is, that's toxic if you start comparing. But if you feel like today, like, man, it's just too late. I blew it in some area. Let me just say, who hasn't, right? We've all blown it. You may be here and you've lost your marriage, or maybe your kids are grown. You're saying, this series really doesn't apply. Listen, I want to challenge you that it does. You cannot reclaim time. You can't turn back time like the song says, but we can redeem the time we can redeem it ephesians chapter 6 verse 16 a great verse that just kind of shouts this out it says making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil the encouragement in some of our versions the older versions say redeeming the time because the days are evil and that's what exactly we want to do and along the way we want to help you uh, God, uh, he gives us strength and in, uh, in resources. There's a verse that my mom gave me on Friday as we were just praying about this. In Proverbs chapter 24, it says this, By wisdom, a house is built. By wisdom, a family is built. A home is built. And through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. I love that. But I want to just focus on that, that by wisdom, it's by growing, by learning, not being a know-it-all, not being closed-minded, but saying, all right, I'm willing to learn. And we've established something on the website uh, at the church, a family resource drop-down, where you can go and there's articles and things that are meaningful to me and to the staff, and we're going to continue to add some things in those areas to help you continue to grow. One of the things I've appreciated about my parents, 
and I've been married 21 years, there have been many times my parents have helped Jessica and me grow in our marriage. Just recently, they did it again. A few months back, they said, hey, they put out a challenge to my sisters and to me. They said, hey, there's a six-session series that if you do this, we will pay you $100. And I thought, I'm motivated by money. <laughs> and, so, and so we did it. And as you know, we were at Mackinac Island a week and a half ago. And part of the way we were able to get there was because my parents were generous. And we had finished that. And it was six sessions, six messages that we watched and enjoyed. And it was great. It was meaningful. And I appreciate that about you guys. And that's the point, that it's something that you continue to do. And so we want to resource you. We want over the next several weeks to come and to just fill you with ideas about parenting and about raising boys and raising girls and what it means to be singles. Did you know that today in North America, there are more single adults living than ever in the history of America? What do we do with that, right? So we're going to talk about singleness. And then we're going to talk about the extended family. I just believe that God wants to speak to all of our hearts. He's going to help us along the way. And this is my challenge. Uh, we want you to bring, to, be, to make it a priority to be here over the next six weeks, but then also to bring your guest. Our kids' area is uh, up and running, and uh, we've got, we are better equipped now than ever to, to reach one more. And so spread the word. And uh, we want you to do that. And uh, I say all that because we want to see life transformation. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for all that you're doing and what you're going to do. And God, I just pray that as we wrap up this service, God, I pray that you would just inspire us to be not content with where we are, but Lord, that we would see your hand and that you would help us to, to grow in our families. And no matter what kind of background, no matter what kind of situation we're in, no matter how we see this idea of family matters, I pray that it would ring true in all of our hearts and our lives and that you would receive all the glory and the honor. We thank you for it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Now with your head bowed and eyes closed, just real quick, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, You're saying, man, I need that relationship with Jesus. I'm just going to ask that you'd raise your hand right where you are. Who here this morning say, Pastor, I I need the Lord to save me. Just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out, but just want to give opportunity. If there's anyone that hasn't received Christ, just one more second. All right. All right. Very good. Last thing, with your eyes closed, your head bowed. If you're saying, Pastor, I want to make the Lord the center of my family, no matter what that means to you. I want you just to raise your hand just real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, lots of hands. Talking to the right folks, amen. And with that, Lord, I just pray that you will help us and strengthen us, and we pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. We give glory to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.